Hey everyone and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm your host Lena Evujamra and I am so glad you're back. Uh, we love to talk about hope here on this podcast. We believe in hope. We love hope. We interview people who talk about hope and people who love hope. I guess that's why we're called the Hope Podcast. And uh, today we're going to focus on hope as it pertains to adoption. And my guest is someone, probably the person that I've met the earliest of all the guests that I've ever had on this podcast. I think that may be a true statement, Janelle. <laughs> uh, I want to tell the listeners a little bit about you, but I uh, moved to uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin from Beirut, Lebanon back when I was a teenager and started right away working at a Christian camp and attending a Christian camp. And Janelle Pat Johnson now uh, was one of the younger kids that just floated around camp. If you've ever been in the camp culture, there were these kids that would just like be hanging around her parents. I think they owned the camp, but uh, you never knew it. She just would hang around and do whatever needed to be done. And so uh, put that on pause, maybe about 15 years go by. And I hear that she and, and her husband had adopted like 35 kids. It may not have been that many. And I think the story is that she started the uh, process of fostering kids. But um, this was back a few years ago before uh, it became like a really cool thing to adopt. She was really ahead of the curve. And when I started thinking about podcasts, um, topics for the season. I just thought you guys would love to hear the story of Janelle and her husband. They are extremely young still and have a, a family that is beautiful. Seven kids. Jason, the father, is not joining us today, but Janelle. Hi. Hi, Lena. <laughs> so glad you're on. This is going to be so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. You are one of the most avid listeners of this podcast, by the way. Awesome. I love your podcast. <laughs> no, it is really fun. I'm so excited that you're coming on to talk. And I, I, I'm telling you, Janelle, I remember my sister telling me one day, mm-hmm. I think it was past medical school, but it was it was a long, long time ago. Because how long has it been that you've gone through this? Like, we're going to get to the beginning of your story, but you've been at a, this process of fostering for at least, what, a decade or two? Yes, 2002 was when I first okay. began fostering. Right. So I had just moved to Chicago and I had heard that you were adopting kids and and, and, and even afterwards, when Facebook became more of a thing, I think Facebook became a thing after 2007. And so um, people started um, putting pictures. And then I would see pictures of you and your kids, and they looked like your siblings. And so why don't we like sort of start with your story? First of all, you um, love the Lord. How did you come to know Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because I've been actually dying to share that part of my story as well because God actually used your sister Diana in my life to lead me to Christ. And that was I think yeah, I was aware of that. Yeah, and that was at the camp that you were talking about. So I am so thankful for how God has used her and um, just she's a huge spiritual encouragement to me. And I think that's part of why I enjoy following you and your podcasts. Oh, man. So I owe my sister a lot of things. And that's pretty <laughs> awesome. She is. The, you know, what? I'm still talking to her into she's probably going to do a podcast with awesome. me someday. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so you gave your life to the Lord uh, as a teenager at camp. And did you ever see that you would I mean, did you love kids even then? Was it your dream to have a boatload of kids and and what set you on this path? Sure. Um, No, I never dreamed of having so many kids. (laughs) Um, That was definitely God's plan and not mine. Um, I finished college um, and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I moved in. What did you study in college? Sure. Okay. Well, I just studied um, 
<laughs> I got the two-year secretarial degree, but I stretched it out into four years. <laughs> so you basically were just hanging out yeah. and just wasn't sure what you wanted to do with your life. And then did you look for jobs as like was you as an assistant to someone sure. or? Yeah, I found a job in Minneapolis. I worked in human resources for the USDA. And I stayed Mm -hmm. with my brother for a while, and um, God just put heavy on my heart the kids in my neighborhood that I was living in, and he moved me to apply to get my foster license. And so I got my own duplex large enough to foster, and... um, How old were you then? I was 24. And so, like, you were pretty broke, right? I mean, you were right out of Christian college (laughs) to be an assistant, like... You know, and I'm using, of course, a politically correct term because, I mean, it even like I'm imagining a secretary back in 2000 was not making a lot of money. <laughs> Were you afraid about that? I mean, was that something that you stopped and thought, now nah, I'll wait till I get married to adopt or to foster? Like, what were you thinking? Um, well, I was always um, frugal, so I was good at making every penny stretch. And I just knew mm-hmm. that I worked full time and I knew that God was calling me to foster and um, God gave me really great friends during that time um, to help me and encourage me and support me. Okay. My- Did your parents think it was a good idea or was the <laughs> like the voices in your head were they like, uh, my mom would be like, oh, I don't think you should do that yet. You know, like do it later, but not yet. Sure. Were you getting any of that? Well, I mentioned it to my parents that I was thinking of doing it and I didn't get the most positive feedback. So I never brought it up again. <laughs> and uh, exactly what my parents would have said. <laughs> until I called them and said, Hey, mom and dad, I have two foster sons. And at that point, it was pretty amazing how God worked because my mom jumped in her car the very next weekend and drove to visit us. And she immediately became their grandma. They loved her so much. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so wait, so how old? So you had two little babies that you just scuttled on? No, they were two boys, ages seven and eight. That's yeah. amazing. All right. I, I knew they were a little older, so <laughs> setting it up a little. Because that's something. I mean, so here you are, you're like a college grad, you're, and you get these, like, like the, on one hand, it's easier, right? You don't have to, like, they can manage for themselves. But was it like a big party at the beginning, or were you petrified? Hmm. Well, I would say it went really smooth those first 24, 48 hours. Um, (laughs) And um, they were, you know, they were eager for safety. They were eager for love. And my home felt safe for them. And so when I look back at that season, it was more of the honeymoon phase um, where things were it was fun to go to the store and buy them new clothes and um, just provide mm. for them. That was a beautiful, beautiful time. And um, I could go mm. on and on. A lot of that experience was very positive. Um, sometimes it was hard because I was their only provider, um, but it was a very beautiful time. And I'm so thankful. Um, yes, it was hard. We did go through some difficult things. Um, and I believe, well, oh, go ahead. Well, I, mean, I was just thinking, so like your church community, like people stepped up around you. Did you feel like you had, were you in an environment that like church environment in particular that supported this sort of thing to where you found you had friends that would come and help if you needed to be away from the kids or how did it change your life even as a single 
20 something. Sure. At that point, I was supported by a family that lived near me. And I had some other single friends that kind of became aunties and uncles to the boys. And that was huge for us. Um, yeah. And that's actually how I met Jason. <laughs> he um, so tell us yeah, about that. he began coming to our church because he was a seminary student in the area. And he broke his shoulder. And so he had a little more free time on his hands. So he asked, he volunteered if he could hang out with the boys once a week or so, so I could get out, go for coffee with a friend or go grocery shopping or whatever. Was that like he had a crush on you and that was a move or was that like? Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, um, God was just leading him to minister to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And so um, God actually had to really um, uh, bring my heart to a place where I was willing to even trust God and open my heart up to a relationship with Jason. And I'm glad he did. Yeah. Why? Because you, like, in your mind at that point, were you, like, in, in, in you, you felt called by God to adopt. So did you feel like this is my life? Like God wants me to do this thing. You were like the Amy Carmichael of the Minneapolis area. Like, was that sort of your vision for your life or were you still hoping you'd get married and have kids? I mean, what, like, talk, talk to me about some of the calling sure. part of it. And as it pertained to, was Jason sort of like outside of the box of what you saw was the calling that God had on your life? Sure. I think God, God revealed his will to me piece by piece. It wasn't all at the beginning. Um, I always dreamed of getting married, and um, I never really had a dream to adopt someday. That wasn't something that I thought I wanted. I believe God was just calling me to do something then. And when mm -hmm. I met the boys, and after the first 24 hours, I loved them so much. Mm -hmm. And like you had a that they would be more than foster kids like did you know then I might adopt them someday at that point I didn't the plan wasn't the plan at that point wasn't it was reunification at that point and so um you know my commitment to them was to love them and to meet their needs and I really wanted to show them Jesus um they mm -hmm. came from a Muslim background and um anyway God, you know, mm -hmm. the, their, their case turned from reunification to looking for a permanency option. And of course I wanted that for, I loved them. They had become sons to me. And, um, mm -hmm. when that became the plan, I pursued adopting them and I began the classes and the training and whatever. Was you were still single. Mm -hmm. I was, um, and is that just uh, educate me a little bit because uh, I mean, just about adoption. Is that a, an obstacle as it pertains to adoption or not? It's not Legally in the U.S. No, okay, it's not. And so um, I just believed that God was leading me to adopt them. And I remember um, going to court for. Um, is it expensive for you, like, or, or is it something that just? That's a good question. So when you are adopting through foster care the state um, becomes the ward of the children and they pay for the um, cost of the adoption. They re reimburse all the expenses. Oh, yes. right, right. And so um, anyway, I, I believed that God was leading me to adopt them. And my brother came with me to court. And, um, and at that time, my brother said, 
Mom and dad wanted me to talk to you about this, but they feel like God is leading them to adopt the boys. And I mean, that was quite the um, curveball for me. And it was Mm -hmm. actually um, very overwhelming to think of that because I was their mother at that point. Um, It had been two years and um, I loved that my parents loved them so much, but, and I love that they loved them as children of their own, that they loved them that deeply. Um, But I just believed that they were meant to be raised by me. And I um, went forward with the paperwork that day. Um, God brought some circumstances um, into our situation where I I faced one challenge after another. And um, through an extended period of time, God made it really clear that it was God's best really for my mom and dad to be adopting them at that point. And that was hard. Mm. I mean, that was a grief that I had to experience. And yeah. um, the boys seemed extremely happy to um, when the course changed and they, the three of us moved in with my parents about six months later. Um, it's kind of complicated to move across. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know what? I think, I think this is, this is so good because that's life, isn't it? Like nothing is so wrapped in a bow. Everything's going to be perfect. And we still haven't talked about Jason yeah. coming into the equation. I mean, I mean, this is like, this is how, this is how God's will rules, right? I mean, you get thrown curveballs and by God's grace, your parents, they love the Lord. They, you have a great relationship with them. Now, but still, it's not what you expected. So there's sort of this painful disappointment right. to a certain degree and question of, did I hear God? What's going on here? And so you moved in with the boys in your parents' house and moved, um, Wow. I mean, that's so you left Minneapolis. I did. And I just knew that they were my mission. I mean, they were who um, that's who I cared about and taking care of them and their future was the most important thing to me at that point. And so I moved away from Jason and I just trusted God that if that's what if that's who God had for me, that that would work out in God's time. And so my parents were able to finalize the adoption um, with the boys and then I ended up getting married later that year to Jason. And oh, yeah, wow. I'm so thankful. And, and he had, at that point, were you like committed to adopt more, <laughs> to do foster more? Yes. Was that part of your marital agenda or were you like, I'm done, I did it no, and I'm moving on? I knew, he knew that that was something that was huge in my life and God worked in his life as well and um, gave him the same calling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, Mark, uh, their names were Marco and Antonio, and they were the best men in my wedding. I didn't have a maid of honor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really cool. so, anyway, they're um, actually, both of them are married now, and one of them is expecting his first baby really? in September. Wow. So um, there's a little bit of turf wars with my mom and I. She's the grandma, but I'm just the grandma wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy you're like you're not even 40 oh, I don't think how old are you now I'm you know? 41 yep okay so, yeah 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 so okay so now now when you married you stayed like what did you guys do like you basically left like they how was that heart-wrenching yeah. I mean what did you, I would say yeah. I, I would say yes it was heart-wrenching and I grieved I grieved more than I imagined I would mm. um they're really special. And I'm thankful that God let me be a part of their life. Very thankful. Mm. Yeah. 
So what did you guys do um, after you married? Yeah. So you you started sure. again? You were like, all right. So let's- I moved back to Minneapolis after our wedding, and Jason was a youth pastor in the city, and I assisted him however he needed. And I also he was also in seminary, so I worked through a temp agency, mm-hmm. and um, I was um, really believing God was calling us to do foster care sooner than later. And Jason was just praying for God's leading because he had his plate extremely Mm -hmm. full at that point, um, with work and seminary. And we prayed a lot about it. And I had an urgency in my heart, um, about exactly a year after we were married, there was a tragedy that happened. And the pastor of our church reached out to us and asked us if we would pray about fostering for children um, related to that tragedy. And so, of course, we just said yes, because we knew that this was God's leading. Um, And they were Mm -hmm. siblings, a sibling group of four. The oldest was three and then twins age two and then an infant four months old. And so the county yeah. was able to just relo- reopen my license and do a background check on Jason, and they moved him in a week later. Wow. So you had a family of six now, yeah. two of you guys and four kids yes. in a week. And so tell me the ages again. Three. When you adopted yeah. them? Uh, when we first got them, they were three, two, two, and four months. So instead of. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's crazy. So um, that was. Oh, it was quite the experience. <laughs> I remember every muscle in my body hurt every night. Like, I mean, we I exerted every bit of my energy. They were boys and girls, the combo of each or how did- Yes, the oldest was a girl, then twin boys and then a baby girl. Wow. And so, um, we fell in love with them right away. They were grieving. Yeah. They um had experienced a lot of trauma and um they, yeah, they were hurting really bad. And so, Mm. um, God gave us the privilege of ministering to them and loving them and meeting their needs. And, um, I'm so thankful, um, just fostering in that regard is just a beautiful experience to be able to experience that part. When you took them in at that point, it was a foster system with plans to adopt or how did that work out? Um, they were going to be terminating parental rights. They were moving towards that right. pretty quickly. And so they were looking for a permanency option for them right away. Uh, and, but normally if people foster, like technically, like they become really attached to a family. And that to me would be the hardest part of fostering. And like whatever amount of time you have to sort of, if you're not ready to adopt, give them up. Like it's, I would imagine that's emotionally just extremely difficult yeah because I think if you're doing your job and loving them well you love them well and you do get very attached but that's what they need they need to learn how to attach and be attached to and that's a a basic need for children well and then you you have a total of seven kids now Mm -hmm. yes so um we fostered them for seven months and then we were a little blindsided (gasps) Um, when we found out that they had found a relative out of state. Oh. So they moved the kids two weeks later. And that happened in February. <clears throat> so we had them from July until February. And then they were gone. 
and we grieved. <laughs> I grieved. Jeez, this is so <laughs> um, hard. Yeah, it was um, not what we expected. And so I would say that for us, it was kind of like a death of a dream of something that we expected um, to be our family. We allowed ourselves to go beyond um, guarding mm-hmm. our hearts and um, praying for reunification. You know, we had kind of moved on to um, just expecting that they were going to be our children forever. Yeah. So they were moved in February, and I found out later that summer that we were expecting our first biological baby. Mm -hmm. And um, the county called us in um, October and asked if we would consider taking in a baby, like a newborn baby, right from the hospital and well, you had already a baby of how old at that point? He he was, I was just about five months pregnant at that point. So you become like, your name becomes floating around. So like you'll get called. Is that what happens? I mean, this, so once you do the initial screening, you're like in the loop sort of. Yes. Yes. And so um, they called us on November. Um, By the way, just to slow down, when you took the four in, I mean, did you have to move into a bigger house? Like, how does that work out? Sure. We had... We had a house that um, we made work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but is there a, a minimum number of rooms you need to have? For, like, was that something yeah. you guys walked into marriage thinking, all right, we're going to get a house with four rooms because we expect to have a lot of kids? Sure. Well, our house was a thousand square feet and it was about a hundred <gasps> years old. Oh, my it Lord. Had two bedrooms upstairs with a bathroom. And then the main floor had a half bath, a living room kitchen dining room that was somewhat open and then it had a a very old basement <laughs> and so, so you, you just stuffed everybody in back in that foster period yeah so we had we had the three older kids in one bedroom and we were across the hall and we actually had the baby girl sleep on the main floor gotcha. at that point we she technically was part of their bedroom but just for the sake of but that's, not, I guess, where I'm getting to a bigger question. I mean, that's not a re- like a lot of times you might think, well, my house is too small. I don't think I can take anybody in. But really, it doesn't sound like it's a rate limiting step either, in a sense. Well, after age five, you're required to have separate bedrooms for okay. the genders. And okay. they're not allowed to share a bedroom with an adult. Okay. So now you took the baby in, you're pregnant. Yeah. So um, we, yes, um, in November, we picked up a little boy from the hospital and um, he was eight days old and he was five pounds, seven ounces. And we brought him home. He was adorable. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, he slept a lot and I remember putting him to bed at night and I had to wake him up every two hours because he was so small to make sure he could, um, and he, and he spit up a lot. So we were just trying to make sure he gained weight. And I was five months pregnant so Jason would kind of push me out of bed (laughs) and I would roll into his bedroom and I remember that first night um holding him as he cried and I wondered what did we get ourselves into you weren't like we love you Jesus God is so good (laughs) and um I remember um being up with him three or four times that night and praying um Lord how are we going to do this? I'm so tired. Help me to love this baby. And I remember when the sun came out that morning and feeding him his bottle, I remember just feeling overwhelmed Mm. with love for this child. 
And that was such a beautiful um, experience that I love to even remember today, just looking back to that moment where Mm. I fell in love with this baby. And um, he, um, we actually were able to adopt him two years later. We fostered him and went through, um, walked him through the different, um, just things that we had to go through him and and god has um decided that he would be our child so oh, he's 11 awesome. now. that's so cool yes so anyway he was three months old and we had told our social worker regarding the other four that we were committed to those children and if they ever came back to our state that our home was still open our hearts were still mm-hmm. open and that we would love to um, take them back in if that was ever in need And so I was um, about eight months pregnant and the baby was three months old and we got a phone call from our social worker and she said, hi, Janelle, um, are you sitting down? If you're not sitting down, will you sit down? (laughs) And she told me that the kids were coming back to our state and they were hoping that we still wanted them. And so we had some friends come over and we moved down into our basement, Jason and I did. (laughs) And we made a girl's room and a boy's room upstairs. And we went and we rented a bigger vehicle and we went and picked up our kids from another state. You hadn't even delivered yet. No, (laughs) I had no idea what I was in for as far as having a baby. But now you have the newborn, the three month old, you haven't had your son or was it a son or daughter that you birthed? Son, and then you have yes. the baby who was still, how old was the three months old from the four? So she, it was just before her second birthday. Oh, wow. So some time had lapsed. That's yes. crazy. Yes. But still, that's a lot of little kids in the house. Everybody under five or six, right? Seven? Right. The oldest was five at that time. There were moments at that point where you like, praise God for working out. Like, imagine you even had two extra. How would you even have been able? I mean, God would have given grace, but like your parents, mm-hmm. like it's just, you look back and go, my gosh, God knew and look yes. what he was doing, right? I mean, there's a part of your brain that's like, what you're doing is is riveting, but it's also like, you can only do so much humanly. Yeah. And I know, like in hindsight, I, I can definitely right. see how God wanted them with my parents. And when when we got the kids back, we were so happy. God had kept our hearts open for them and we had just longed for them and prayed for them and loved them. And so so we were willing to do whatever, whatever it took. And our church was so gracious and we were brought meals almost for two or three months. And we were given a diaper shower because I had. Wait, did you make your own baby food? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no yeah yeah good answer we just did the next thing and so um malachi was born then a month later and um i was very thankful now yes six kids. Six kids and the oldest was five at that point and um okay yeah we Jay. oh so the night the day before I went into labor, Jason had his senior senior oral doctrinal defense um, exam. Oh, wow. He had worked on a PhD in, during that time? He was in seminary, yes. <gasps> yes. Yeah, so, uh, and he was pastoring also? He was a youth pastor, yeah. 
And so you, you that was family for a while before you added the seventh or? Yeah, that was family for five years until we dared to do it again. And then God gave us a little girl and she just, she's, she's six now. So we have seven kids and their ages, seven, 16, 16, 16, 13, 11, 11, and six. So, and you look like their sister. I mean, I'm your Facebook friend. I can totally say that. Uh, but what, what would be like when you go to places, I mean, tell us a little bit about how, you know, life now, like people think you're their friend, you're their school counselor, their mom, like how do you, how does it all like, what is the reaction you get when you walk into places? Sure. Well, there's a lot of curious people for sure. And um, my kids for the most part like to tell their story. Mm. And so, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that by looking at us that I'm not their biological mother. Right. And, um, but, um, for the most part, um, I know not, I know probably most kids who have been adopted don't feel that way, but my kids do like to tell their story. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a platform to talk about Jesus or do you like try not to, you know, like it can become a thing where you're like, well, look, I got to, you know, how do you, how do you balance like not making them a poster child for what a Christian should do? Sure. Well, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Um, I feel like God has given me a ministry to other adoptive moms Mm -hmm. who are already in the journey. Um, I feel like this has been a marathon for us and it hasn't been easy. And God has taught me and my husband a lot um, through doing this. I know at the beginning, I thought I knew everything (laughs) and I thought that I, um, um, yeah, I thought I could heal them, you know, with a lot of love and, um, God is just teaching me so much of complete dependence on him. I would love to play the part of the Holy spirit in my children's lives. And, um, I'm thankful for Jesus. And I think that God's given me a bit of a ministry, just even ministering and praying with other adoptive moms who have been in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know a lot of families my age who have teenagers. Most of them have younger children too. Right. So where do you turn to to get help yourself when you're overwhelmed with the challenges? Um, Well, I love the passage in Exodus where (laughs) um, it talks about Moses and the battle that he was in and how he could, he was so weary to continue raising his hands, right? Like God was winning the battle, Mm -hmm. the Israelites against the Amalekites. And um, God has been so kind to me to give me really great women, really great friends who have encouraged me weekly in the Lord. I have a group of women that I meet with every Wednesday morning Mm -hmm. and um, we text or in a texting group and um, they encourage me um, just they're adoptive too. Like they, they're walking the journey, or um, not they have not. Um, one of them is an adoptive mom or a foster mom, but there yeah. are women that are serious about their faith, and um, I feel like right. that they're my um, they're my Aaron and my Er holding my what's his name her holding my hands up, yeah. Her. Holding my hands up, trusting the Lord in the battle, because sometimes it's really intense. Mm -hmm. I don't think that um, I realized the 
amount of spiritual attacks that would be thrown at our family. And so mm. I just feel like um, where where I come for um, refreshment and healing and um, to be sustained in Jesus is really through his word. I walk every day and I listen to scripture online. How do you find time? A lot of people complain about, I mean, literally, I mean, I mean it practically too. Like people, people who are single sometimes, oh, I don't have time. I go to work. I go to the gym. Like, do you get up at two in the morning? <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm working on getting up early, but definitely having to schedule the time. Mm-hmm. And even St. Jason, Jason and I both work from home. Mm-hmm. And so um, he knows that that's really important for me. And um, I, I just feel like nothing calms me and comforts me and strengthens me like the word of God. Mm-hmm. So you walk daily and listen to the word. I do. <laughs> I, awesome. I, I have a, I struggle staying on task <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and I love, I love hearing the word. I love to listen to scripture a lot. That's a what do you do? U version? It's not U version. It's just a, something like that. Like basic yeah. mm-hmm. just play with scriptures and sure. my husband and set it up for me, but and right. I love, and I love to listen to podcasts. Is there any um, book that has been very helpful to you about adoption? I know Russell Moore has some resources yes. on adoption. Mm-hmm. What is helpful? Yes. So Dr. Karen Purvis, um, she has a book called The Connected Child, Empowered to Connect is like, um, she has a whole curriculum and a teaching series for foster and adoptive families. It's excellent. And also, I've been listening to a podcast by Mike and Kristen Berry called Honestly Adoption. Mm. And they've also written two, maybe three books that I haven't read yet, but I listen to their podcasts about their books. That's how I read. That's the type of reader that I am. Well, Um, you're in that generation. I mean, this is exactly what people your age listen to. I mean, I don't mean it's like... Sure. this is the new way of people coming across information and it's like you always wonder who listens to podcasts while people do and it's like it's awesome it's encouraging what what do you wish you knew Janelle before venturing and what would you tell someone who now is listening going man never thought of myself as a foster person but I want to start this process what is the one or two pieces of advice you would give them well probably to be informed and to talk to people who have been on that road already and kind of hear the good stuff and the hard stuff and also finding a support group because um, I, I think that's kind of an ongoing thing is just trying to find ways to get a little break. (laughs) Um, Just trying to find support because sometimes um, it's easy to be burnt out, I would say. And so, um, maybe yeah. just getting a group of people to faithfully pray for you and also to be people who you could call when you have an emergency or a situation where you need someone else to step in. Do you feel a, a, a heavy burden to try to get people in the church to foster more? Like it seems mm-hmm. like more people are fostering and adopting than ever. I have a lot of friends who have walked this path, but still mm-hmm. like, I don't know much about the statistics. Like, do you feel like there's so many hurting kids. Like what would be your plea to like, say right now people are listening and I don't, I wouldn't estimate maybe 10% of listeners have done this before. Like, do you feel like it's, it's something we need to wake up and do, or is it, you know, just see what God does. I mean, how, what would you tell Mm -hmm. us? 
Well, I think it's something I'd love to encourage everybody to pray about. And um, if God isn't leading you to do foster care or to adopt, to seek a family near you that you could be a support to. Mm-hmm. like It's a good word. Um, yeah, like being a mentor to their children or somebody to drop off a meal or clean their bathrooms or just anything to lift the load and to even just to show love and support can go such a long way. There's over a hundred thousand waiting children in the United States right wow. now. Um, those are children who um, have been waiting in foster care with um, they're no longer going to be reuni- reunified with their parents. And so there's a huge wow. So if they don't get adopted uh, and the foster home can't continue to have them, what happens to those kids? They go into the system? They would age out of foster care when they're 18. They jump from home to home, whoever can keep them the longest, that sort of thing. Right. Seems like a huge mission field. I know people talk about it, but like, I mean, not that, but like in in general, like anybody who feels like I want to disciple someone, Mm -hmm. like such an easy way. Now, how, I mean, tell me a bit about that. Like, are you, is there any rules? Like you can't talk about Jesus, like the, even with the first sons that you have, like, they were from a Muslim background. Were there any do's and don'ts? Like, is that something that you worried about or you just lived your life for the Lord? Um, well, actually, that was a conflict that we had. Um, I was bringing them to church and then mm-hmm. um, there we actually were asked not to take them. I was asked not to take them to church for a while until their parent changed her mind. Um, Mm. and so I had to, I would go to church and I would find, there was a few different women in the church that would take turns coming over to sit with them, um, while I went to church, but they were, they went to a Christian school, Hope Academy in Minneapolis, and, um, (laughs) they had approved that and, um, that's funny. That's a bit ironic. Well, I mean, I think, you know, and, and I see what you mean about spiritual opposition, like, Yeah. Wow. Uh, do you hope to get more foster kids? Where are you at in the process now? <laughs> I am at the point where we take it one day at a time and we're just trusting Jesus to help us continue in this, um, to finish this race strong. Um, we have four teenagers going on seven very soon. And um, parenting teenagers is a lot different than raising little children. So mm. at this point, um, you want to disown them all. This is what my sister says. <laughs> Too far into the future as far as... Right, right, right. Yeah, Diana's got two teenagers. You didn't need to talk to Diana more. She, got two- <laughs> she needs to talk to you. She's got two teenagers and a five-year-old. So yeah, I'm so sympathize with, with the I, brutality of the teenage years. <laughs> I, found, I have found myself walking around the house saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And then I just dropped the help me part and I just walk around saying, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can muster. That's awesome. Yes. Um, can people reach you, Janelle, if they have questions or I can always forward emails to you. Yeah. What's, do you have a website? Or tell us more about ways to connect with you. Sure. Probably the best way to find me would either be by my email address or by Facebook. Okay. And well, why don't we, why don't we do this? Let's, because I, again, just for privacy sake and all of this that might go along with that. Why don't, if you have a question for Janelle, send me an email and put in the subject Janelle, J-A-N-E-L-L-E or adoption. Keep it easy. 
and just send it to Lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org, and I'll forward all of this material to you, Janelle. If you mm-hmm. have an encouraging word for her, if you just are contemplating fostering or adopting and you just have questions and you want a direct connection with her, I would love to be the link for that. And, uh, well, I, I just, I, I don't think I knew the levels of the story, but I think my take home is that just like any other calling, there are no A point A to point B easy connections. Everything takes detours, which is by intention, uh, probably a way for God to help us to stay dependent on him, but also so much, um, happening behind the scenes spiritually that I think we need to stay thinking about. But um, any final comments or thoughts for us? Um, what's the best part about adopting? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I would say God has used our journey of adoptions in my life to really um, cause me to cling to Jesus. My relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus is so much sweeter because um, <laughs> I guess you could say the um, love for my children that God has given me. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to say what I'm trying to say, but I believe that God has just used this in pushing me closer to him. And I'm very thankful for mm-hmm. that beautiful it's evident. Uh, it's evident. What's your life first? Do you have one? I don't. <laughs> I've had different ones throughout the years. Um, that's good yeah. that's fair I don't like you you're just like this is what it is <laughs> Jesus 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 I like it no I like it I really do and you don't have that like words. doesn't make you it's you know I'm not sure you're saved we can talk about salvation later no just teasing I uh um I can't imagine how you can keep your brain straight I I I just I'm, I'm just impressed with your story but really I I glory Uh, to God. I mean, I just, I can't hear it and not think, wow, what God has done in your family, in all, uh, not just seven kids, but the nine that you've had a chance to influence. And uh, what a gift. Um, You're a gift. And thank thank you you so much for coming on the show today. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. Uh, As usual, just more resources, more information if you're looking for it at livingwithpower.org. I will be back with you guys next week. Hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope somebody who's listening has decided to uh, start this venture into adoption and foster care because I really believe that you will love uh, Jesus and understand his love more as you step into that. Who knows? I might too. Uh, I'll certainly be praying about it and I hope you will too. Uh, Love you guys and I'll catch you guys next time.